Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. Monty sees a gloved hand just ever so slightly open up the curtains of the Duke de Rudier's box. I have a bouquet of flowers for this person. I need to give these to Monty and tell him, like, you go give it to her and talk to her. I'm not going to talk to her. Like, you, you can charm people. I can't. You must be the young woman Celeste, if I may. Some beautiful flowers for uh, the beautiful young flower of the theater. As soon as you start moving toward her and you say her name and kind of holding out the flowers, she turns and runs the other direction. Oh, oh I think Monty's not done as well as he thought he would. No, I, I would venture not. She's not even holding the flowers. I spent money on those. Don, <laughs> Francis, I, uh, what, what are you doing? Why are you sticking to the shadows? What's going on? Why are you acting like a couple of ne'er-do-wells out on the street? Thank you for, for being here. Not a lot makes sense, and the two of you make sense to me, and I think I would be running into this regardless, but it feels a little easier having both of you with me. I worry that Celeste, as the star of this show, will either have to perform these things or have these things done to her. Would you would you like to hear it? It's, it's not complete, but I, I think you'll understand just how close I am to something special. New York City, April 18th, 1995. Thomas Manuel paced back and forth across his nearly empty apartment, debating whether or not he should cross the hall and invite her up to the smoking lounge. She would probably be going anyway, so he'd see her there. But if they went together, maybe he'd get a bit more time with her and she wouldn't go off with that salesman like she did last time. He paced a few more times before gathering his resolve and heading into the hallway. He took a deep breath, walked toward Abigail Wright's door, and knocked. Laura, are you there? Are you heading up tonight? A few moments later, Abigail came to the door. Thomas, yes, I'm going up. Should we go together? But come in first. I have something I want to show you. With a lightness in his step, Thomas crossed the threshold into Abigail's apartment and looked around. He hadn't been inside in a while, and everywhere he looked, he saw items glued to the walls and ceiling. Is this what you've been working on? Your next project? He asked her. He was mesmerized. Yes, but it's not ready yet. Ignore all of that. Here, this is what I wanted to show you. She pointed over to a large, ornate frame that was leaning in a corner of the apartment. Inside the frame seemed to be a portrait of a well-dressed woman. Abigail walked over and picked it up, bringing it closer to Thomas. Do you know what this is, Thomas? She said, beaming. He could tell that he should know, but he didn't. He shook his head. This is an original work from one of the most well-known and highly regarded portrait painters in all of Carcosa. She was commissioned to do portraits of all of the royal court there. I heard she's even done work for the superintendent. I can't believe I was able to get my hands on one. Thomas looked more closely at the portrait of the woman. He could feel jealousy rising in his chest. Why can't she talk about my work this way? I'm just as talented as this. This. His thoughts trailed off in his head as he noticed something strange about the portrait. The woman, who was wearing fine clothes and looking off into the distance, was wearing a mask. That's great, Laura. Really great. What's her name, the artist? Abigail smiled. Oh yes, of course. Her name. Her name is Frances Anderson. three generally remember your dreams when you wake up in the morning? Not really. Most of the time, at least for a little bit for me. They're not always worth remembering. <laughs> do you ever write them down? I do in like sketches, right? Like not, not drawn sketches, but like if, if there was something particularly weird and strange, I'll, I'll jot it down somewhere. Mostly because like other people's dreams are not terribly interesting. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. That yeah, is generally true. true. Yes. Say, 
Eric, I'm more interested. If we, if we keep a dream journal, like if that's that's how we roll here. Well, I'm just, I'm very curious. I'm curious because, so I never remember my dreams. My wife always remembers her dreams and has like very vivid dreams every night and remembers them in the morning. It's, and like wakes up from dreams a lot. And I never, ever, ever remember my dreams. So I, I remember dreams every once in a while. Usually it has to be a situation where I've gone to sleep. I wake up in the morning early-ish and then go, am able to either because there's still some time before the alarm goes off or it's a day when I get to sleep in or something, go back to sleep and then wake up. In that, like, between time, if I dream, usually then when I wake up, I will remember whatever I dreamed. Otherwise, not so much. Although I will say, just because this made me think of this, I, I you, you caused me to remember that I had a very weird routine as, like, a child oh. where I don't know why I thought this. This is, like, clearly, there's clearly signs of, like, anxiety and stuff in, in young childhood <laughs> no. me. There was a period where <laughs> I legitimately thought if I remembered every nightmare I had had... I wouldn't have another nightmare. So I would, there were, there was like a period of years where whenever I would go to sleep, I would think through and remember every nightmare that I could remember that I had had before I went to sleep. So there's still like, I still vaguely remember some of these childhood nightmares that I had because I went through them every night. Do you have any good ones? Uh, no, the one that the most, the one that's most vivid to me that I can still remember is being, so the house that I grew up in, it's kind of a large house and it's out in the country, uh, surrounded by woods. And I, I had a dream of me being trapped in like a, almost like a giant cage in our side yard. There was not actually a cage in our side yard, but just think like giant, like chicken wire fencing in our side yard with an enormous spider, like twice oh, the no. size of me. No, 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 no. And, oh, oh you're, I've heard you're not a bugs person. <laughs> No. no. Absolutely. <laughs> Which one of us was that directed to? Because we <laughs> simultaneously, no. Yeah. The added like tragedy pathos to this is that I could see my father in the distance walking and I was like yelling out for him and he wasn't paying, like he couldn't hear me or wasn't paying attention <laughs> as I'm trying to run away in this cage from this <laughs> huge <laughs> spider. Awful. I'm so sorry. Awful. <laughs> Terrible one. That's, that's very upsetting. Yeah, no, I, I, when I was, when I was younger, I would remember a lot of my dreams. Um, but once I, once I got old, I think once you get older, naturally they stop kind of reoccurring to you. And I definitely found that, you know, I, I, like I, I have, uh, I take Adderall and once I started taking Adderall, I never, ever remembered a dream again. Mm. Like it's very strange. And then if I don't take it for a few days, if I run out early or whatever, and I'll I'll have a couple dreams that I remember, but when if I'm taking it, it's just they're gone. Man, and it's just weird. I think it's just innate the way the the stimulant reacts and everything. So it's I mean it's not like I don't say that as like a hey man don't take medicine that can really improve the quality of your life. It really mess you up, man. You won't have like you won't have stupid fantasies while you're sleeping. <laughs> like, like but don't take a thing that will improve your day to day life. Um, but no, but it is, Incredible. it is a kind of a strange side effect where I don't, I'm sure I still dream, but I don't recall them. Yeah. Did y'all get those? Like, Cause I know a lot of people were writing and talking about like early in the, in the pandemic in 2020, everyone was having really vivid, strange dreams as like a strange trauma response. Or no. maybe it was just me. I, I definitely did. I don't remember reading about this, but it sounds, that sounds <laughs> Perfectly plausible. I, I swear they were talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure they were. The discourse oh, was yeah. ongoing for for days. I'm sure. If it happened to at least like seven or eight people, they talk enough. It it's like trend. the Mussolini thing. They just keep walking around, <laughs> just saying the same things. It's like, wow, a lot of people seem to really be affected by that. <laughs> Suffice it to say, I I don't. I don't feel like I'm particularly intrigued by dream narrative in stories or movies or TV or anything like this. So don't really expect any of your characters to be <laughs> visited by <laughs> by dreams because I just I've never found it particularly interesting. But anytime I watch an old musical, like when they have a dream ballet, that's the bathroom break. Sorry, <laughs> those suck. <laughs> well, and there's like there's 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 RPG settings that take place in the dreamlands, like in Call of Cthulhu, because that was a big Lovecraftian thing. He had this whole like dreamlands mythos, and I just find it I, I don't find it interesting at all. 
But anyways, life is life is scarier than dreams, I think. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump back into our our, our make believe life that we've created here. Into this one hundred percent based on reality. Absolutely. World. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So our our American art students in Paris, when we last left them, they had they had agreed with the uh, the Duchess de Rudier to uh, to chat later in this later this afternoon. And so they decided to head over to the house of the composer, Isidore Cuvier, to just chat with him. And Francis and Monty decided to go inside to speak with him while Donald stayed outside. Uh, Monty and Francis, um, you went into Cuvier's apartment. There are There's sheets of music scattered all over and a, a handgun sitting on top of his piano. But he did invite you in and uh, and chatted with you a bit. Said that he was commissioned uh, by Larsenieu, the the artistic director at the opera, to compose this opera, and that the subject matter doesn't really matter too much to him because uh, you know music is more about science than it is about words anyway. And he had just offered to play you uh, a snippet from his from this new opera called Casilda. When we we shifted over to Donald, who was outside the apartment, just kind of keeping an eye on things, and an older man came up to him, and it was someone that Donald recognized. It was the grandfather of Albert, uh, who is the spurned lover of Celeste, who's going to star in Casilda, who Donald had talked to the day before, and who was kind of beating himself up about not being courageous enough to go after Celeste and try to win her back. And this grandfather has approached Donald and asked him, weren't you with Albert yesterday? I need, I need some sort of explanation because Albert has died. And so that's where we're going to pick things back up. So Donald, the, the older man says, he's, he's like, he's already kind of broken in, into tears as he's, as he's retelling this to you. And he's like, I, I'm just, I'm just looking for, for answers. I, I found him dead on the street not far from the shop this morning i i i just i can't i can't fathom what happened and you know i know that you had a bit of a an argument yesterday a disagreement was is there anything that you can think of that you you might be able to share with us i i very very sorry for your loss i of course i dead how how was was he what was the the nature of his 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 killing did you I, I haven't had a, a doctor come to see him yet, but all, all, I took him inside and, and brought him back in the back of the store. He has black lesions covering his flesh. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, I, I just, I'm just trying to look for any answer that I can. I, I believe the police are investigating now. Yes, sir. I, I, I have no doubt, but I, I must tell you, as, as someone who is unfortunately keenly aware of these things, as I was telling your grandson yesterday, it, it, it's of the utmost importance that you leave here as soon as you can the the forces that the sickness which which claimed your your grandson could could still yet claim you we we don't know just just how how deadly these sorts of things are i would sir imagine it is something of a plague and, and get as far away from here as you can let the police investigate and i i'll investigate along with my my friends, but but you must just get as far away from here as you can. But it's it's my grandson. I I must I must figure out what happened to him. Uh, what what is it that you were talking about yesterday? He after you left, he he said that he he was leaving for the for the Palais Garnier, looking to confront the man who stole his his lover's affections. I I uh, what did you speak about? I told him the exact opposite. <laughs> and I suppose it 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 didn't have the intended effect because I I, 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 I something at that theater with that man that he went to confront uh, there's no doubt in my mind there's something something wrong to it. I, I was telling him the very same and, and he refused to listen and, and and I fear, sir, the same for you if you don't listen. I I, I cannot tell you. It, it breaks my my heart truly that that you must bury your grandson in this in this manner. But nothing good will come of, of further investigation into this. Nothing. How do you think Donald 
What's what's going on through Donald's brain, other than the obvious desire, which I think he has for everyone in this situation, is to tell them to get as far away as possible. But mm-hmm. is there any is is he is he experiencing anything in terms of you know he had this conversation with this with this kid yesterday and he wasn't able to convince him and now he's died because of it. Well, yeah, he definitely feels he's he's the guilt is starting to mount a little bit because I think that. When he had the conversation with the priest, and the priest kind of said, you know, it, it, could your friends do it without you? And and that, that sort of motivated him. But on the flip side of that is like, am I going to, if I do something wrong now, I'm going to be responsible for, for the fates of other people. It's not just about, like, being passive. You have to be, and so in trying to, like, push everyone away from it now, here's was his most earnest attempt, and it, it obviously didn't work. So, like, I'm sure he feels guilt, but he mostly... It's probably still just got that like obsessive drive to just push everybody away from it and and process the information as best he can. Yeah. So I do think I'm going to want you to roll a composure check here because okay. as you kind of mentioned there is that there is a level of guilt for even yeah. if you tried not succeeding in kind of dissuading him. Um so let me know if you want to spend anything and then go ahead and roll a composure check. I have a, I have a 6 in composure. So I will spend, uh, I'll spend two. I think he's pretty still early on in this process, so. Gotcha, okay. All right, and I got a three, plus, uh, so one plus the two, so it's a three. All right, a three is actually enough, so you, you, uh, you don't Phew. suffer any, you don't suffer any ill effects, you don't, you don't receive a card for this. Phew. So the the older man says that he he's going to you know he'll 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 take your advice under advisement but that he's going to return to the flower shop to meet the doctor and the police and if you feel like you have any information to provide you should you should you should come by as well. Yeah, I'll probably want to talk to Monty and Francis about doing just that because I'll think that you know we will have uh, probably get whatever information we can glean, we can push a little further if we know more about this. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so shifting back inside, um, inside the apartment of young Cuvier, he he has just offered to play a passage from his work in progress. He said, would you like to hear it? It's, it's not complete, but I, I think you'll understand just how close I am to something special. Francis, uh, Monty, how do you react to this? <laughs> I mean, I want to. I want to know what happens. <laughs> I mean, Francis is gonna look at Monty and be like, mm. "So, yeah." And I, uh, Monty, I'm sure, flashes back to the organ immediately, <laughs> uh-huh. just like the the touch, the, the touching, playing at the yellow, all of that, and. He's going to give Francis a look, and I, Francis, I think, will notice that, though I'm not using the move here, at least mm. not yet, we'll see how things go, I think she sees my eyes go into the, like, dead-eyed stare, like, look. Oh. Um, and is the piano against a wall, or is it just kind of in, kind of in the middle of the room, kind of doing the, like, it, it's squaring off and forming, you know, kind of how it... it defines its own space a little bit like is there space to move around it etc yeah i'm kind of picturing that the piano uh has has one side up against the wall where maybe there's a maybe there's a window that's kind of shining through and it kind of shines across the piano but but one side is up against that wall and kind of moves but not the the back of it correct correct okay then i am going to uh, monty will step around the piano to to the back side of it Rest his hand on top of it, right next to the gun. <laughs> and with complete dead-eyed, the dead-eyed stare again, not using the move, just in sort of descriptive. <laughs> yeah, just the, yes, the descriptive. But, but there, like, most fake-friendly voice <laughs> that does not touch the eyes at all, just say, Monsieur, I would love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, just a quick, I don't know, a question, like, I, so one thing I was thinking about was that Francis probably, as, like, a young lady of this time, took music lessons and can probably read music. Mm-hmm. Like, if sh- there's music all around this room, like, can, like, is he gonna sit down with sheet music? Is he gonna play from his mind? Like, she would like to get some sort of, like, I don't know what this would look like on a score of music. Like, notes, 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 madness. <laughs> It's yeah, kind it, of it, what I'm anticipating, but 
Yeah, so a lot of the music scattered around the room looks like it was something that was started and then discarded, sure, right? It looks like course. he's been trying to go through many drafts. But there mm-hmm. is sheet music on the piano, like on mm-hmm. the stand, that it looks like that's what he's going to sit down and play. Do you want to try to get a look at that? Maybe. Like, I'm just, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just want to, I want to know what's going to happen so badly, even though I think Francis is as wary about this as, as Monty is. Um, but I think Francis is also curious. Yeah, the music looks, it doesn't look like I mean, it looks like music. Like it looks, it looks notes, like notes, it looks madness. like it looks like notes, right? It, there's no, there's right. no necessary sign of madness. The yellow sign is not drawn in place of of, of the, any of the like any of the symbols. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just waiting for there to be like some like magic chord that's like going to be like the yellow chord. Yeah, there's a, there's a like meme out there of like a music sheet that is just a complete mess of yep. like unreadable notes that I've seen. That's, I, I'm, I'm picturing that, but. Yeah, no, it's it's not that. It, it actually does look like music. And if you allow okay. him to, he, okay. he does okay. sit down and begin to play. Okay. And it starts out reasonably normal and it's beautiful. Like you're 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 impressed by what he's been able to create here because it's like nothing you've ever heard. And as he continues to play, it can only be described as haunting and somewhat mind bending, but not in a way that you feel like necessarily is warping your mind. But it is it is the most haunting and perhaps mind bending score you've ever heard, and I do need you both to roll oh, me a great. composure check, of course. Yep. Okay. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, this is what you get whenever you listen to avant-garde composers. It, nothing good yeah. ever comes from it. <laughs> and I think what it is is like it's it's almost like this weird middle ground between like you haven't it hasn't like flung you directly into madness but you can also tell that there's are, something the about it that cracked. is wrong there's, it's yes, got an exactly. edge weird exactly. edge to it it's priming okay. it's priming its audience <sighs> okay yeah i'm just gonna spend one on mine okay i have a lot of composure comparatively i'm gonna spend two out of my seven all right sounds good all right monty what did you get i'm rolling now i rolled a four so it's a five total five all right and francis you're spending two Excellent, I get a six total. All right, so you are both okay. Um, though yeah. I think this, I think the music mm. will the the score will sit with you mm. for quite mm-hmm. a while afterwards. The soundtrack to our nightmares. I I, I, <laughs> I close my eyes as it is playing, and my hand does move briefly over the gun just for a second and touch the the kind of the the hilt of it, and then I move move my hand back away as i feel it getting weird but it doesn't quite like penetrate into that really yeah, like yeah. disturbing mind like fully mind bending like <laughs> type of thing i'll then my hand moves back off of it all right so he plays for a few minutes and he gets to a point where it feels like he he almost pauses in the playing and then he kind of slams his hands down on the keys and he says i just i can't I can't quite figure out where to go from there, but but yes, what did what did you think? I've never heard anything like it. I mean, I guess that's that's a good thing. You're, you're where did you study? Where did this come from? He tells you uh, a very prestigious place to learn music <laughs> in France <laughs> that I don't I know. Love it. Do they, is, is there music at the Sorbonne? If there is, then that's where it was. Sure. We'll say there is Juilliard. for sure in this verse. <laughs> Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Yeah. Amazing. Monsieur Cuvier, um, that was something incredible, certainly. Don't mind me asking, as I was listening, I like to rest my hand when I hear piano if I am familiar with the person playing, I love to rest my hand and feel that the nice vibration of the notes through the piano, and I could not help but notice as I rested my hand here that you um, appear to be armed. I, I'm just wondering, are you are, are you in any danger, or do you simply keep this as a collector's piece? No, I, I need it in case the neighbors complain about my playing. I'll be honest with you, it shuts them up. Good gracious, I bet that would 
being effective. Just the. Do you yep. th- if you don't mind me asking, do you, do you threaten them with it? Or do you just fire the gun sort of in the air, out the window or something? I, I'm just curious. All? All they need is to just see it once, and it usually keeps them keeps them quiet. I can imagine it would, yes. Well. This, guy, this guy's a monster, regardless. What a terrible neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. Try and let, let, let me take a moment and gather my thoughts after that uh, delightful playing and make sure there were no other questions that we needed to cover for our interview. Um, Francis, I'm, I apologize. I, I hate asking you this, as I know I'm supposed to may, be the keeper of the questions. Was, was there, <laughs> is there anything I am forgetting from our list of... Uh, a list of inquiries when we do these, when we conduct these interviews, the, the music is just, I'm just lost in what was just played. So oh, uh, oh, I may be I forgetting mean, understandably, something. of course. I mean, to be honest, I don't know that we've, we've heard much about the particular, the particular of this, this, this creation process that you're working on. We know that the, the Casilda is the name and we know mm, you've yes. been brought in as the composer and obviously this work is going to be monumental. I mean, how do you how do you write? Do you do you are you just composing without any reference to to the story, or do you have an outline, or do you have a libretto exactly? Like, how are you how are you working on this piece? Yes, well, as I mentioned before, music is more of a math problem, mm. not as much a human problem. I can set any words to music, even ones as strange as these, but I will admit that the libretto that I'm working from, the one that my friend Marcel Brisson created, is mm. quite strange. But again, that's not really a problem for me. That's that's his own thing to deal with. <laughs> I do course. have his libretto, yes. I, I, I do have a copy of it here. Oh, goodness, I'd love to see it. I mean, I know that's, that's to me, to my mind, I've always figured that must be the, the difficult last step of the opera composer. I mean, you create this magnificent music, and then you've got to hang the words upon it at the, the last moment, I assume. Like, you know, garlands on a, a balcony. I, Francis is floundering. She just really wants to see that libretto. Uh, Francis, uh, you do know how to create a beautiful turn of phrase. <laughs> That I uh. do! <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I suppose that I could show it to you for a moment, but I really must be getting back to work. I Oh, of course, of course. I, it, it has, as I've said, been a bit of a struggle. I'm, I feel like I'm very near something, but I'm not quite there yet. And he walks mm. over to another side of the room and opens up a drawer, and there's kind of a leather folder, uh, and he he hands it to you. Gosh, I just want to take it and run, except he obviously has a gun so, right there. Okay. So this, <laughs> this, this is theoretically the libretto? The, 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 the copy? Theoretically, the copy. yes, it is the copy okay. of the libretto, yes. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> for, those, for those who can't see our screens right now, Mikey is just vigorously nodding his head. Yes, I don't want to say anything. I'm not there. I mean... <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, okay. Uh, and I will just open it, and I I don't really want to read it too closely, um, all things considered. But I, I can I can I flip through a couple pages and and scan for for confirmation that this is what it it is, just in case. Sure. Yes. Uh, you do scan it, and I think. Your mind flashes back to Calvin Leith's apartment where you saw mm-hmm. scraps of the play written and pasted to the walls because you start seeing some of those same phrases repeated, the, yeah, the yellow tatters that flap and the black stars under a white sky. You're quite sure that this is whatever it is that was created by Marcel Brisson Great. and dictated Great. by the man in the mask. Uh I will kind of look over Francis's shoulder at the libretto for a moment, and I close my eyes as I do. And I think Francis just feels my hand on her arm. And I will look, I will just glance at the libretto quickly as well. Do I recognize the handwriting of the libretto? Mm. 
You do not recognize the handwriting okay. of the libretto. Good, okay. good, 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 good. You, you <laughs> actually feel my hand. Like, my, you, like, you realize God. how hard my hand was gripping your arm and you feel it relax a second after I uh, great, look at it. Great, I don't suppose we've developed any sort of telepathy and or secret language to be able to have a short confab. <laughs> I'm no, but I, I mean, I, 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 I do think it's reasonable. Like, I, I often think it's reasonable in these situations. Like, you easily could have talked about what you were going to do before you went up there. So I think it's okay to have a I conversation about, about how you want to handle this. If we, if we somehow got our hands on the libretto, what we would do. Exactly, so. exactly. Which, which we also I would say that means. With Donald. <laughs> yeah, which also mm-hmm. means that I think Donald can be a part of this conversation, too, mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm sure you would yeah. have talked about it beforehand. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, Donald would have been all about kind it if you get your hands on it, take it and burn it. And whatever we have to do, like this, it's a that would definitely be Donald's position. Is like, nope. If we're if we can get in there and get our hands on this thing, and that's the source of it, yeah. which we all kind of agree, I think yeah. Donald would be like, grab it and go. Whoever, if you got to shoot your way out, shoot your way out. I'll be waiting outside for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like, if nothing else. This buys time, right? Because the Duke mm-hmm. dictated this. And like this whole thing would have to, it would, it would take time to write it out again. And we know already that the process is a little bit stalled because of this guy. And I would There's love only to one copy further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what would, but how would do we stop Cuvier from, I mean, this is if we problem. steal the libretto out, even if we, you know. <laughs> What do we do? Knock him out? Lock him up or something? Because otherwise he is like... Well, we we didn't know this Trouble beforehand. will be coming to us very quickly if we Absolutely. just let him... But you know now that he's obviously a, not a neighbor anyone likes. And they know he has a gun <laughs> in his apartment. And they know he's like an We'd asshole. So if a, a gun went off service. in his apartment, they probably would not... It probably oh. would be a very kind... Oh. Like Once you heard that like he's like, oh yeah, I wave my gun at people. You're going to go off in that guy's apartment. You're probably going to have a minute to get out before anyone's running to be like, oh, this poor man. But oh, his gun went off. That asshole. I mean, so I know that he, we we were near the piano to listen to him play. He went off, you said, I think, into another room to fetch it, brought it back. How close are we in this room to where his weapon is? Tommy's standing on it, right? I was I was right next you to the piano. Yeah, you were next to him. Yeah, you're pretty close to him. I would say that he's pretty close to it, also. Yeah. You know, because I, I mean, I I, mm-hmm. I picture his kind of main room being relatively small. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you I think both of you are probably in range of the gun, but I think he probably is as well. I mean, now right. uh, this is a dead-eyed stare moment if there ever was one. <laughs> That's actually a very good point. We might be able to intimidate him out of doing anything about this, at least for a while, potentially. If that, well, yeah, if that works, if that's successful, yeah, that's how that, right? You take, mm-hmm. you take a thing. I can do. I can use it. It 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 reduces both of your composure by doing it, but it it is a free intimidation push. Huh. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, I say, I say, do it and try to intimidate him. All right. If we don't want to kill him, because the other option, I think, is to the one of you who's not holding the journal, the thing grabs the gun and just pulls the trigger. Like, that's the only other option, I think. Monty is obviously incredibly willing to (laughs) shoot anyone he (laughs) feels is dangerous, but Cuvier doesn't seem to be completely gone here. He he is not so far under the influence that he is like himself be. generating like evil things that are destroyed. And you're stuff. the two who It seems are like this is on him. the way if he get yeah. like he could get there, but But you two are seeing him yet. and like interacting with him where Don would just have the idea of like, well, this guy's gonna be gone, so shoot him if he's but like understanding that like you're gonna be interacting with him. And if you make the yeah. determination that's a bad idea, that's a bad idea. Alright, I I would like to Francis, you were holding the. I'm I'm holding it. I had it open, okay. and I kind of imagine she's going to look at you, mm-hmm. and look at you significantly, and she's mm-hmm. going to fold the folio, and mm-hmm. I think she's just gonna, she's gonna do that thing where she folds it and she just kind of holds on to it, and looks at you. Okay, uh, I would like to turn and attempt to grab the gun as quickly as I can. Uh, all right, so let's do. Yeah, let's do a let's do an athletics check for this. Uh-oh. 
Okay. Athletics. Yep, let me know how much you want to spend. Oh boy, oh boy. What could possibly go wrong here? I'll spend three. Okay. I thankfully have relatively high athletics. Gonna use the metal die for this roll. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it's important, folks. I rolled a five. Nice. That's an eight. Whoa! Nice. So as so- I think as soon as the leather folder closes, Monty makes a move quickly, and Cuvier moves, but far too slowly. And Monty, I think you kind of put a shoulder into his chest as you push him out of the way and grab the gun. I just hold it up and point it at him. Monsieur, my apologies. You've been wrapped up in something that is incredibly dangerous. And unfortunately, it is our duty to dispose of these dangers. He kind of puts his hands up and kind of backs himself up against the window. And he looks at you, you know, his, his, his posture is one of fear. But when he speaks, his voice is more calm than you'd expect. And he says, please, I, I need that to, to finish my work. I, it will take me so long to get back into my work. If you take it away, I have to find another, I'll have to get another version. And I just, the delays are, are too long. Please don't go. Regret to inform you that's simply not our problem. The creative process takes time. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's so he's he's definitely not making any moves towards you. He's like fully backed up against the wall with his hands kind of up in the air. Okay, I will move towards him, grab him, by, grab him by the front of the shirt, and I I'm gonna use I'm gonna use the dead eyed yeah, stare that's uh, intimidation push. And I'd actually like to take him and open the window and push the, like, just push his head out the window, kind of like push him halfway out and lean out really close to his face, just up next to his ear and just say, if you tell anyone about this, they won't find you. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, I do. I suggest you find another libretto to work on, sir. And then I'll pull him slowly back in from the window and close the window behind him. And just give him a little push as I, like, release. I'm still going to have the gun trained on him, though. So, and, yeah, just from a mechanical perspective, I think <laughs> that uh, Francis loses two composure. I assume that uh, I, I, Don does I think two, Donald does, too, because he saw, because he saw was, this person hanging out. I was going to say, if that was the front, <laughs> if, if that was the front, then yes. Incredible. <laughs> Worth it. All right. <laughs> so what do I think? Composure? Yeah, I think you, yeah, you just lose. Yeah, just remove two points two of composure. composure. Oh, from six <laughs> from to seven two, to pretty three. quick. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I, I also, it's all PCs lose two composure, so I do as well. Great. <laughs> okay, all right. So is the plan now to depart with the libretto and the gun? Yes, that would be my, that, that seems... would be what I would like to do. Yes. All right. He uh, he allows you to do that, and you close the door and head back down the stairs of the apartment building and outside, and as you kind of look back up in the window, you see that he's just kind of standing up in the window looking down on the three I'm of you. I'm just going to reach up and give a little wave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you like to do? Oh I think God, we would start God. moving immediately. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's move. Let's move. <laughs> Don, we got what we came for. Yeah, I let's, would probably already move. be walking as soon as you walked out. Like I would start moving in the direction we agreed on. Yeah, I stuffed it in my satchel so that like mm-hmm. it's it cannot be taken. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like clutching the bag now. Just like everything is fine. <laughs> so now I guess. Donald, do you ask any questions? Not or is it just like yep, uh, yep, uh, yep, not let's, we're clear. Yep. Yeah, let's just move. <laughs> All right, yeah. So you head out of the you head out of the general vicinity. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we need to just go to a place where we can like, uh, yeah, plan the next thing. Mm-hmm. Do we are, do we know of any nearby? Yeah, where's like where do? Because like I don't have any like, you know, paint paintings with masks on them or or papers all over my apartment. Like we can technically go to my. <laughs> I don't think I have any of those things. <laughs> That's true. What a change. I believe Monty. I, be, I believe we established that Monty and Donald live together. I think that's so. That's true. I think so. That's true. I'd forgotten right. that. How charming. That's a way back when. But we could we could meet in your 
You my are half. part of the, yeah, my half. Half of the <laughs> I mean my aunt's house is very nice. <laughs> we could Yeah, go you could there. go there too. <laughs> what did you do with all those mass paintings anyway? <laughs> we don't speak of those. <laughs> is she par- is she par- is you- is your aunt part of the aristocracy? Yeah, I think or is so. She-, she is, right? Mhm. Yeah, so she so her house is probably in the neighborhood where uh, you know, at least the larger neighborhood where the Duke and Duchess de Rudier yeah, live. that makes sense. Right, and that's where we're going next. Yeah, I would so. guess that Donald and Monty live in the Latin Quarter. The only thing I would be worried about would be going there is bringing that heat now on all those people because doesn't she have, like, servants and she your does. aunt? And she does. I just would that's feel true. like, would we... Would we want to bring... Now we have this book. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't want to... after us. <laughs> I don't want to bring heat on the servants, but the aristocracy themselves, obviously. Yeah, my aunt is very <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, that's, we'll that's also a very fair point. Um, like, yeah, we feel the way. <laughs> the way I feel about the aristocracy today. <laughs> is, how, is how Donald Bray feels about them in 1895. I just want to say eat the rich in French. <laughs> is it would yes, be Monge with something. <laughs> sure. It's my favorite Aerosmith uh, song. Lord Almighty. Yeah, no, that that actually that makes a lot of sense. And Francis would definitely be of that mind too. She is trying she is very much also trying to keep her aunt out of this. Like one of the things I was thinking was literally she went home last night and she already had one of those, like read in case of my death letters, but like she wrote a new one with all the new information and it's (laughs) it very much ends with like leave town. (laughs) If I'm dead, you gotta go. (laughs) Yeah, God forbid that document ever gets out. Oh yeah. No, my aunt respects my privacy. She would never she would <laughs> yeah. never go prying unless I was dead. No one would ever read it in the beginning of an episode of season. No, absolutely no. not. No. no one would ever do that. You would be so safe. <laughs> also, I have good news. The rich in French is just les riches. Yay! So it oh, would nice. be manger, oh, nice. manger les riches. <laughs> <laughs> good, if I did good. episode titles, you know what this one would be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Donald, are you going to mention the the old man mm-hmm. mm, and that's Albert? Already forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell him. I, you know, I, I I have to say I I can't believe we got this this fast. But I, I who knows what what we have in our hands? You know that the young man from the flower shop. He he. I suppose he he, he mounted a, a a romantic attempt to win back the Celeste and. His grandfather found him dead outside of the flower shop, covered in black lesions. Christ. Black lesions? I told him I'd be back to, to. he said the police and, and the, the investigation is beginning, and I, I, I told him I, I could provide them information if need be, but this is, this is truly something that we must stop the spread of as, as quickly as possible. Now I assume he did not, when you spoke to him, he did not look sick or, or no, off in any way. no. No, he looked, I mean, he was, he was pale and, and weak, but that was, I think, just his constitution. I don't believe that was mm-hmm. anything okay. to do with mm-hmm. illness. He's just old. <laughs> yeah, he's an old man. Monty, I am overjoyed that you frightened that woman away last night. I think had you been slightly more successful, things might have gone very poorly, apparently. Oh, you think it's a, a social disease? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't think that's what she meant, but now we're all thinking it. Now, perhaps that it is that that is the case. Not even at a hundred percent, ladies and gentlemen. Not even at a hundred percent. Still knocking him out of the park. Just, I, yeah, well, I mean, it was I a only, fastball over the plate, but I swung. <laughs> I only very recently learned what a social disease actually was. <laughs> I knew it from West Side Story. So I, I knew the term, oh, but I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> didn't you also accuse Calvin Leith of a social disease? Mm-hmm. I know Probably. the VD doctor. We took him to the <laughs> VD doctor. <laughs> well, and you said that he was suffering from something syphilitic, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> syphilitic, yeah. So that's um, that's Donald's assumption all the time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Paris, eighteen ninety. Paris, yeah, yeah. Mate, perhaps artists, artists. Rampant I saw Moulin Rouge. I know how it goes. There's a, re- there's a reason. There's certain things in the criminal underground I will not engage in for my own safety. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so let's meet then at the uh, 
the ant's estate here and oh okay i i i think i like i don't know i think i mean that what would time are we fine. at like, yeah like how long do we have until our <laughs> yeah are, What's we, the but are we still angle? gonna go meet with this duchess like now yeah. we you went and got it like there's no he can dictate a new one is the problem yeah i think i don't think this is the end of it is the i no. what i'd like to do not. is go somewhere where we can i i because Monty is going to read through some of it, even knowing mm. that that could be potentially dangerous. Okay. He's familiar. I assume Monty would be familiar with like the works in the Marquis de Sade, for example, and knows that you know that informed some of the Duke's pro- proclivities, and then the Duke is passing this on. So he wants to read through some of it just to see, you know, how closely this matches that stuff. They probably didn't really talk about that because, like, it, it probably was one of those things that nobody wanted to address. But, like, Don, Don would definitely feel as though if Monty was going to read it, which he figured he would want to, mm. Donald also definitely wants to read it, but definitely also doesn't mm. know how to read stuff like that very well. Mm. It's not his. So, like, he would really be hoping Monty was going to read it and then that they it could be like they could talk it out because I think that he doesn't anticipate understanding it but really really wants to we could just have a play reading it'd be great <laughs> i used to have those parties all the time <laughs> he doesn't think it can make like he th- he knows it can make you go crazy but that's he's the one who's had the least experience with like a thing can make you do a thing or you sure. could do with like he hasn't really his experience is very different so he probably would be a little more like it's just it's just words who cares mm-hmm. makes sense all right, so sounds like you're heading to Aunt Helen's aunt's house. <laughs> I and I'm mm, thinking I will just end up dead. It's gonna be great. No, we're gonna sneak <laughs> in. No one's gonna know. We're gonna like turn left five times and lose the. Actually, are we being tailed? That is a question we should ask. Can <laughs> we look a, around and see if we're being followed by anyone? Uh, yeah, sure you can. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we do that. <laughs> We're not the most savvy. Feel, uh, you can you can all make sense trouble tests if you would like. Okay. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I have a uh, I have a good sense trouble. I'm not going to I'm not going to spend. I'm anything not going to spend, it. I'm just but going I will roll. also roll. Um, I got a four. Ooh, I got a six. Nice. I have a a, a six because I added one to it. Right, we decided. Yep. Yep. So I'm actually going to spend one and just take it down to five. I think it's smart. Just to give it a little boost. I got a six. Nice. So a seven. There's trouble. I sense it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see anyone following you. Seems reasonably safe on your way back across the Seine and over into the neighborhood where your aunt lives. And I think, you know, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty bustling estate, um, but not one that you know, you. I, I think you. I think you come and go as you please. I don't think you Absolutely. necessarily have to see anyone if you don't want to. So I think you all can kind of seclude yourself in a in a more private area of the manor. My, I have a studio up like at the top. So yeah. like, and that we can just keep climbing stairs and we get up there. It's got lots That's of fine. nice light. Yeah. It's very secluded. No one wants to climb all those stairs. <laughs> and I think Monty is of the opinion that this libretto, like, or excuse me, the the, the libretto itself is dangerous but only going to be dangerous like as long as the work is contained in the libretto it's only dangerous to whoever is specifically engaging with it rather than more broadly dangerous to people in the area Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which might not be true but i think that's what he thinks (laughs) god all of his neighbors were constantly like having to hear him write this and like losing their (laughs) minds driven insane (laughs) this guy sucks I'm glad also, you took uh, <laughs> it's definitely a function of Don's paranoia because I think he's more worried about like not necessarily the thing doing a thing, but mm. the people who are going to be looking for them are now going to be there. And they, sure. he, he's just True. like he's dealing True. with this like yeah, he's yeah. pretty sure he's like he, slowly but surely becoming more and more unhinged in terms of like I'm being followed, I'm being listened to, I'm being watched. Yeah, definitely not doing mm-hmm. well in that regard. So he would be scared mm-hmm. of going anywhere, I imagine. I'm, I'm, though we have not discussed it a bunch yet, uh, I suspect we're all approaching the same opinion, which is that the Duke himself is what we'll have to deal oh, with yes. at, at some yeah, point. Absolutely. So, you know, if, but hopefully if we deal with the Duke, that it could stop. Yeah. Prevents, yeah. And what, you know, being followed, watched. We, I think we would definitely feel closer to the wellspring than we did in the last one. 
in, in mm -hmm. season one. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like we would yeah. have a clear sense of, like, well, maybe if. Yeah. All right. So to me, it sounds like the plan is to is that Monty wants to take a little bit of time to read through mm -hmm. the libretto. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would yes, I would like to just take a few minutes, read through, um, see what stands out to me, and hopefully not lose my mind in the process. Sure, sure. Donald and Francis, anything you're doing while he's leafing through? Reading over his shoulder. I will watch him, and I will watch them both like a hawk. And, and like, if I don't know if they start showing them with a crazy eye, <laughs> I'm going to like bat that thing out of their dang hands. And where's the, uh, where's the gun? I will I take it. I will take it before you start <laughs> reading. I will, you know what? Yeah. Perhaps before I open it, I will like just place it down on like a table or something. Yep. I have a nice little And if you would like setup. to, you'd like to take it, certainly. Yep. You can have a seat on my nice settee. <laughs> <laughs> you start reading through. And the opera seems to tell the story of a ball of some sort in a far-off land that's called Carcosa. And I think that name already kind of, you know, kind of sounds in mm -hmm. your mind as something that you saw written in your own handwriting, Monty, in Calvin Lee's apartment. Mm -hmm. But a stranger arrives at the ball, and he calls himself the Phantom of Truth. Okay. And he starts to speak with many of the partygoers and tells them that it's a, it's a masquerade ball, and, if, and of all of the partygoers, only he wears no mask, mm. and, that he, and that this mask is his true face. I'm sorry, just to, so, to clarify, he, he sort of looks like he has a mask on, but that's his real face. That's the, that's the idea then. Exactly, and that's kind mm -hmm. of the major revelation that ends the opera, is mm -hmm. that he reveals that this is actually his true face, and that he wears no mask. And somehow, that kind of brings the weight of the end of the world on into the minds of everyone who is at the ball. And so I am going to need both Donald and Monty to roll oh. me a composure check for mm -hmm. having, not quite, but like kind of read the first act of the yellow king or the king in yellow <laughs> i'll spend one and don doesn't have any reason to believe a play can make you go crazy so he'll spend none okay tommy rolling first or am i i've rolled i had just rolled i rolled a six so a seven okay this makes up for my bad rolls before <laughs> uh -huh. Ooh, i rolled a five. Oh, thank god all right so actually you both are okay <gasps> we leave through it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you leafed quickly enough through it, and I think there's enough there's enough separation between the actual play and then that being recounted and then written into a libretto by uh, Marcel Brisson that it it's it's not the the power is not quite as strong. The rhyme Though I do think Monty, is a little <laughs> yeah, forced. I think Monty, for you, like there's a there's a little something at the back of your head that like some of these words seem familiar and not just mm -hmm. from the night with Calvin Leaf. Mm -hmm. I will also say that Don probably wants to, unless it's like you know, unless it's boom boom boom. But if there's a moment where that where it's the libretto's closed and like he can kind of have a moment with it, I think the the fact that there's a ball that factored in prominently is going to drive his eyes. He wants to look at that and be like, because mm -hmm, that would stick in his head, like, because that's important sure. to him. So I think that he would want to maybe double back to the part where they're describing it and just see if anything in his head kind of. Mm. But he doesn't have to do that this second. Yeah, I think for I think for Donald, there is there is something there is something about it that resonates certainly, but what you saw was more than what is described here because what is described here in terms of the ball is really it seems very innocuous mm -hmm. yeah. just so that I it's a masquerade that. party in this strange far off land so his attention would probably go there and see that and then be like okay this is not what I'm looking for um, I had been looking as I read it specifically I know that Brisson I believe was very disturbed by some of the ideas about how things would be staged and some of the he had, there was reference to some 
disturbing, perverse, and or like potentially <laughs> potentially horrifying behavior um, that you know might be part of the performance. So Monty is looking for any indication of that, any indication of some of the things that he knows that the Duke has kind of engaged with, any of the kind of Marquis de Sade influence, any of that stuff. If there's anything like that in there, or if it seems like, if it almost seems like strangely that stuff is absent. Yeah, you don't really find anything like that written here. Mm -hmm. I think the only sign of it that you can tell is that the 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 people at the ball the party goers when when the phantom of truth reveals that he wears no mask they react in a way similar to how marcel brisson was reacting like like what they had just experienced was so horrific even though to you it doesn't seem it doesn't seem as horrific or it doesn't seem like there's anything particularly out of place the the characters react as Very they, harshly to that revelation, seen yeah. The most disturbing thing they've ever seen. Exactly, okay. exactly. Mm. Yeah, this mm. play would frustrate Don. To, the opera would frustrate <laughs> to no end. He would probably re have read it over Don Monty's shoulder and like immediately be like, "Can you? This is this is what we're all. Can you make any sense of this, Monty? This is nonsense. Mm, sophomoric illusions, poor writing throughout. Not exactly what I was <laughs> expecting, but it's uh, you know." A better writer could do better things with this material, I believe, but that's that's all right. Uh, it's not, it isn't exactly what I was expecting either, but there no. is something here. The, the way in which the characters are behaving is strange, to say the least. It's not, this is, the logic is almost dream logic more than it is a sort of, uh, you know, causality and, and real world uh, behavior. Yeah. Where it's, it's a, the work of a stupid writer writing a <laughs> stupid opera because I just can't. <sighs> it's entirely possible, although my understandings are that if the Duke was the one dictating this, the Duke is um, many things, many terrible things, in fact. Stupid is not one of them, to my understanding. No, but perhaps that, that mask he wears is actually his face. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Francis is just going to kind of look at you both because she didn't read it and is just going to assume it's some weird illusion to what you guys This whole, read. This whole right. thing seems to take place in some sort of twilight reality, a kind of a twilight zone, if you will, where oh, this, what <laughs> this behavior is occurring. So you're, you're telling me to, to picture, if I will. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, I think Don would just kind of get mad. I think he's just kind of stormed to the other side of the room and huff because he's just like, this did not. He wants, now he thinks they should just burn it immediately. Like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah, it's it, stupid plan. Monty's also a bit frustrated because this does not, though he definitely has that clawing in the back of his mind that, that you know, something about this is wrong, but it's not actually as um, powerful or as pro like fully problematic as he assumed it would be. I mean, to be fair, opera is a collaborative medium. We're not getting the full experience. That's true, yes. <laughs> Add in the staging, the true. special effects, the, the magnificent backdrops, the music. Yeah, Xavier, Xavier's <laughs> backdrops. Yeah. We see yeah. those backdrops. And I, and... I mean, that entirely fair point. And if you say that, like, Monty mm. will actually kind of nod along with that. That's true. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps it is the summation of the... The total may be more than the summation of the parts. Specifically, here. specifically, Brissot said specifically what was being dictated to him was was depraved and heinous and horrid. Specifically, what was being dictated to him. I think there's, I think there's every reason to believe that the libretto itself is not actually the problem, but will lead to problems. So I think, well done us. I think we did exactly the right thing, getting it out of this production's hands. But based on what the two of you are saying, I mean, I see no reason not to just chuck it in the bin and light it on fire. And then I think you're right. We need the source. Would you like to do the honors, Francis? Oh, I'd be delighted. Um, yep, she's got a, um, we'll say she has a metal waste paper bin up there and she's just gonna like open up the folder and let it all fall in. Just in case, like, there's... I cannot imagine why, but, like, she's just gonna check through this this folio and see if there's anything in there beyond this this libretto. 
See if there's any money in there. <laughs> any like I far, found twenty francs. Let's get out of here. I don't know. Special notes from the Duke. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't find anything else in there, and Fabulous. so you you toss yep. it into the you toss it into the bin. Find some matches and toss them in, and light it on fire. And the three of you see this libretto burn up and uh, crumble into ash. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. Burned it. <laughs> that's it. I think that's a win. I think that's a win for the crew. I think yeah, that's, yeah, that's one hundred percent a win. We did. That's the actually thing. that went so much more smooth, smoothly than I thought it was going to go. So I'm all for it. This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws called Ghosts of the Garnier, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>